Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and uh, it's still Corona time. I sometimes forget what day it is. It's amazing how quickly you get used to this new situation, and on the other hand, every morning I wake up and I think, wait, was this a dream? And then I realize, it's not. (laughs) One thing stays the same, and that's the fact that I am the happy owner of a microphone and a roadcaster, which enables me to record my podcast as if the world has not changed. (laughs) And I'm very, very grateful for a little bit of stability in my life, and uh, hopefully this podcast will have the same effect for you. This show is brought to you thanks to my monthly supporters, my patrons. It is a growing community. I'm actually getting a couple of new patrons every week, and a lot of new patrons are discovering the podcast thanks to the Mass for Geeks that that I've been streaming for two weeks now. It's a lot of fun. It's a mass that I uh, stream live every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. local time, so that's 7 o'clock in the evening here in uh, the Netherlands, um, which is around 1 o'clock in the afternoon for North America and maybe around, what is it, 9 or 10 uh, on the western part of the United States, which enables a lot of people uh, that follow me on YouTube or follow me on Facebook to, to, um, to, to be present at least digitally, at one of my masses, which I've never been able to do in the past. And I can now do mass in English and some other languages I can preach in English. And so I figured, well, since a lot of my geeky followers are now uh, here virtually through their through their uh, web webcam, not, well, actually not their webcams, it's my cameras, their laptop or mobile devices, um, and... Since they're pretty geeky, I can now use geek references in my homilies, which I can't do for my regular parishioners. So it's attracting quite a crowd. It's a lot of fun. I did a homily about Back to the Future and the Road to Emmaus, which was a a fun way to kind of connect those two stories. Um, And I'm already kind of thinking, what can I do for this upcoming weekend, (laughs) which is the uh, Vocations Weekend, or at least in the Netherlands it is. So we pray for vocations, and it's got the beautiful gospel of the Good Shepherd, so I'll need to come up with uh, some more, you know, geek-themed ideas for, for my homily. But uh, I'm, I'm happy that the group of patrons is growing because my projects are also growing. As I mentioned last week, I'm uh, now actively working on the translation of my documentaries about Ireland and Scotland. I just got word the other day from Hugo, who is my uh, cameraman slash director, that he's uh, done uh, re-editing the three episodes that I filmed in Scotland with all the English stuff. So what I did back then was every time I talked to the camera in Dutch, we stopped and then we restarted and I said the same thing in English uh, to prepare for these international versions of my documentaries. So that is done. We're re-scoring the entire documentary, which takes a lot of time and thereby also uh, some, some, some money, uh, because we used music for television, just regular music, music that's on the radio, and um, uh, we, we pay rights for that. But we can't do that if we post this stuff on YouTube. So we're now re-scoring the entire thing with copyright-free music. And then I've uh, asked someone to translate all the voiceover texts in English, so from Dutch to English. I have to re 
record that, and then we have to insert that in the edit. So as you can tell, it's quite a bit of work. Um, so it is uh, definitely much more costly than producing podcasts, which is just me talking to a microphone. And that is why I'm happy that the, the group of supporters is growing, because if I want to do this on a regular basis, I will need some extra funding or some extra sponsoring to make that happen. But I'm very excited to be able to do this finally. And uh, I, I know that many of you are eager to see my my television work um, in international version. So thank you so much if you are a patron. Uh, as a thank you, uh, not only do I, do I say thank you here on the show, but I also give you an extra podcast every week, which you get access to only if you're a patron. It's called Father Roderick to the Max. And at the end of this show, I will mention the topics that I'm going to talk about. It's, it's a, it's a a show that is very similar to this one, but it's also totally different because all the topics are different from the stuff that I talk about here on this show. I want to mention a few of my uh, patrons by name this week. Nicholas, Simone, Jack, Garen, Cad, Scott, Jason, Matthias, Martijn, Steve, Dom, Margot, and Alexis. Some of you have been supporters for quite a while. Others are newer patrons Thank you so much. If you want to join that community and become a patron too, then go over to patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So I am still really working, trying to work out how to deal with the, the changed world when it comes to this whole corona situation. Um, I had quite a few spikes of, of uh, tremendous amounts of works, uh, tremendous amounts of work. I talk about that in this week's episode of The Walk, how I try to deal with that. And I got a tip from, from Hugo, my uh, cameraman. He said, you have to try to flatten the curve. Not only do we have to do that for the hospitals during this corona crisis by staying home as much as possible and being very careful, social distancing, but I, I, I have to apply that to my workload as well. It's not that I uh, have much time left, but I need to plan even more than I did before so that I don't get these spikes in work. And um, some of sometimes it is beyond my reach. Sometimes I, I, th there's nothing I can do about it. It's just stuff that's happening in the parish uh, and that needs to be solved, things that go wrong. Um, just there's a lot of extra stuff. But because of the change situation, the usual work that I do and the newer projects already take up all my time. So there's no margin to to, uh, to uh, compensate for these spikes. And if there's one thing that I've learned over the years is that you always have to keep margin. And it that feels wrong, especially if you some, or you're someone that loves to do what he does, like I am, uh, because you feel that if you, if you build in margin, you're not really using your time optimally. It's like, I, I can't leave a couple of hours uh, unplanned in my calendar because I feel like, well, I could do so much more. But that's the, that's the risk. That's the that's the trick. You have to keep that margin for all the unexpected stuff that happens. And there was a lot of unexpected stuff this week um, that I had to deal with. But I had no margin. So yesterday and two days ago, I had such a headache. And I could tell if I looked in the mirror, my face was just red. And it was stress. <laughs> it's just blood, my body trying to 
to push blood to my brains that are you know constantly overload like my cpu couldn't handle the uh the amount of cycles if my brain was a computer <laughs> but uh, it is tricky so i'm trying to flatten that curve i'm also trying to flatten honestly the other curves the body curves i don't know about you but i've been really not paying enough attention to getting uh, enough physical exercise. I'm maybe eating too much for, you know, the, the kind of sitting existence that I lead now. I'm most of the days just sitting at my computer. I, yesterday, I think I've been in, in Skype meetings or other online meetings for at least seven hours, seven, eight hours, in addition to all the other work. But it's all sitting at a computer, sitting at a desk. And during a meeting, you can't walk away which I normally do when I have an audio meeting. I just pace around and I can do other stuff, but not when you're constantly in front of your webcam. It's, uh, yeah, it's like like right now I'm, I'm recording this, but I'm also streaming it on Facebook like I normally do. I can't just walk away <laughs> because... But so that means that for this hour, I'm just sitting down. I'm not burning many calories. Um, so I really need to pay more attention to flattening the 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 growing curves of my body. <laughs> hey, then in other news, I got a message from the Star Wars celebration, which this year was, was supposed to take place in Anaheim uh, on the West Coast, uh, the original place of Disneyland. Um, and it was one of those warnings or messages that I've received quite a bit regarding events in the Netherlands. And it said almost the same as for the fantasy fairs that I normally take part in. The, the this is the first part of a communication cycle this is just a clearly a planned message and it says hey you you've registered for the star wars celebration and of course you're excited so are we but yeah the world has changed and things are really uh kind of uncertain right now so you know what don't worry we're following the news day by day we're constantly communicating with the council of anaheim and we'll, we want to make sure everyone is safe and just in the case maybe potentially possibly this won't happen in in the, uh, in the fall then of course you're you're going to be able to get a refund or you can move your tickets to next year or some other occasion uh we're not saying that we're going to cancel the event but you know it's just so you know we're monitoring the situation take care and may the force be with you something like that well when I got messages like that for fantasy event events usually a couple of weeks later you get the the second, the follow-up message, and that is, just like we mentioned in our previous email, we've been following the situation, and, well, unfortunately, in Anaheim, those responsible have said that it's not safe to move on with these big events. It would cause, and it's really difficult to, cr to create a safe environment in a crowded, popular event like the Star Wars Celebration. It's impossible to keep social distancing. The risks would be too big. We definitely don't want to put our beloved Star Wars fans at risk, so unfortunately we're gonna have to cancel this event and here is how you can get your money back or you know we'll let you know when the next the, the next date when we found another date when this will all be over for a star wars celebration i bet you that's gonna happen it's i mean it's just the way things go right now and well, we'll just have to go with the situation it's no use getting mad at that or frustrated it, you just take it as it is and we will have to find other ways to celebrate our common fandom uh of, of of the star wars world 
uh, thank thank God for for YouTube, where we can gather as Star Wars fans and just talk about Clone Wars, etc. So um, yeah, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. My take, if you want to know my take, uh, <laughs> there is no event going to happen anytime soon, even in the U.S., where there, in some states are are slowly trying to get back to the new normal, whatever that means. I don't think. It's going to be, you know, uh, that that in in a month month from in a few months from now we're going to tell each other, oh, thank goodness that nightmare is over. No, no, no. I think the the virus will still be there until we have a vaccine, and there will always be this risk of infection and new like a new spike. Um, so events, of course, and the same is true for a church. Uh, I don't think that church is going to be the same anytime soon. Maybe it'll take another year for things to go back to normal, or even longer. God forbid, but it is totally within the realm of possibilities. So rather than spend your time on on wishing the situation were different, it's better to put your energy and your time into what can we do in this given situation? What, How can we change our behavior, find new ways to reach people, to gather digitally? Who knows? There are so many things we can do. And, and it's much more productive and also more motivating to focus on that than, than, than mourn about the things that we can no longer do. Thankfully, we also have UFOs to distract us from current day affairs. You've seen the, the uh, footage that was released, or at least a few minutes of the footage that uh, was shot decades ago. I don't, I don't know when this happened. But it's apparently com- it's genuine, it's real. It's coming from fighter pilots uh, who spotted strangely moving objects um, going at a tremendous speed, uh, changing course in a very unnatural way, definitely not not obeying the laws of gravity uh, as we know them. And so now the whole world is like, oh, UFOs, you see? There are extraterrestrials. This is real. And I'm thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on. As much as I would like to believe that these 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 are actually, these flying objects are spacecrafts, and that they are manned by Martians or whatever. But it's not the most likely explanation. If, if something is an object that is unidentified and it's flying, it, no, in that acronym, there is not the word alien. <laughs> there is not the E of extraterrestrial. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just not the case. It's just an object. It can be anything. It doesn't even have to be... Um, let's say, an object that has a physical uh, consistency. consistency. It may be um, an object made out of smaller, tinier objects. Who knows? It can also be an, uh, like an optical illusion, some, something that you can film, but that is not really like, like a mirage, you know, like a rainbow. You can fly to, towards a rainbow, and you're like, I see it, but you can't touch it. So who knows? It's unidentified. We don't know what it is. We also don't know what's causing this. Um, and, and so... There, there is, as a self-professed uh, Catholic skeptic, I have to say, hold on to your hats. It's may not. It's very unlikely that this is extraterrestrial. That is just our our ma- imagination trying to find an easy explanation for this. But there may be actually a scientific uh, explanation for what what these pilots filmed that is totally different from what our imagination tells us. So. I have no clue what that is. It looks. I'm, I'm always like, if this is almost impossible, if the, the, the flight patterns are impossible for manned crafts, you know, the, the, if, if there were a pilot in there, 
that pilot wouldn't wouldn't survive these kind of movements because of the g forces i mean physics still work also for unidentified flying objects so if you see these sudden movements and these incredible accelerations you know that is unsustainable for any pilot so maybe this is an unmanned thing maybe this is an experiment i don't know what that is but uh, it could be anything it's just that it's it's not very likely that it's aliens because well we don't have any indication that aliens are real uh and and if they are real it's not doesn't mean that they are reaching earth because you know the, there are very few planets out there that can sustain life and the the closest the one that are closest to us are you know quite a few thousand light years away from where we live so anyway but interesting to think about it it is the first time that i remember that we've had this confirmation that th these are really ufos in the in the proper meaning of the term uh, these are flying objects unidentified and we cannot explain them fascinating really fascinating and with that, it is time to move over to the world of imagination, visual imagination, cinematic imagination, and talk about everything that can happen there. Aliens, special superpowers, uh, clone wars happening on planets far, far away, long, a long, long time ago. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the clone wars on Disney Plus and about the movie Dark Phoenix, also on Disney Plus. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. Now I'm going to give it to you. Alright, The Clone Wars. I finally caught up with the seventh season of Clone Wars, except for the episode that launched today. I haven't seen that one. I'm going to watch that tonight. And I'm glad because for weeks, I started to do YouTube videos on the first two episodes of Clone Wars because I know that uh, some of my followers on YouTube really like my take on the world of Star Wars. Um, so I started very enthusiastically, then Corona happened and I just fell off the bandwagon. I, I just couldn't keep up and certainly didn't have time to to record extra episodes about uh, about a t TV show. So I kind of stopped watching. But everybody told me how good it was, especially the most recent episodes, which made me kind of curious because I have to be honest, the first few episodes were not that good. Uh, there was this one episode that was okay. It was reasonable not to, I don't know, I just felt it was a little bit too, um, too much like, like anything we'd seen before. So uh, the Clone Wars uh, were, were, that was something that was on television, uh, I think until a few years ago, and they had already planned some episodes, uh, which they then finally finished. Uh, and so we have um, this, this, what is it, the, um, like these, these strange clone, clone war soldiers uh, that are a little bit divergent, they look different from all the other clones. They have special abilities. And so um, they did a few episodes. But those had already been prepared um, years ago. And then they followed it up with a few episodes about Ahsoka. Ahsoka is this apprentice of Anakin, only exists in the 
animated uh, universe of Star Wars, but a very, very interesting character. I think one of the more successful uh, uh, characters that they created for the animated, and, and one with a real backstory and really interesting. So they uh, they they brought her into the story, and then there is a dramatic event towards the end of season six. Um, I won't spoil it for those of you that haven't seen it. Um, and then the Clone Wars series kind of picks up where where we left her, and those first two or three episodes of her adventures without Anakin were kind of I don't know I just. I didn't like them. I thought they were not that interesting. Didn't I didn't like the other characters that they introduced. So uh, that, that almost made me a bit wary about the rest of the of 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 the of the season. I was like, well, I don't know if this is going to work. So thankfully, I I I caught up because I I can tell you that it was actually just you know a dip in the season and the final few episodes are really really good and i was uh, super excited by the reappearance of one of my favorite villains of the of the uh, what is it the the, the clone wars uh, uh, time time frame so um and there were some some fights i don't think i'm spoiling too much when i say that there are lightsaber fights and those were choreographed so well. And they brought back uh, Ray Park for the motion capture of those fights. Ray Park is the actor who originally portrayed Darth Maul in the prequels. Um, and we, we've seen a glimpse of Darth Maul and of Ray Park's character at the end of Solo, the movie. And that was it. And now I, I was so excited, even, even if it's just motion capture, but you could still can tell that it is a real actor uh, who is who is fighting there? And I think for Ahsoka, they also probably used a, a real person, and and it, it just elevates it to such another level. So that was very enjoyable. I also like where the story is going. All of a sudden, it is as if the animated series has gone to a different level, in the sense that it it uh, it even has a different introduction, where it's more cinematic. All of a sudden, um, very very cool. So uh, that was that was Clone Wars. Uh, I may, if I have time, <laughs> if I can flatten the curve of my workload, I may record um, like a, a recap episode on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Father Roderick, about uh, this last season of Clone Wars. Then I also watched uh, the last X-Men movie uh, that I missed in theaters. Um, and it was called Dark Phoenix. It got really bad reviews, and I think it totally flopped at the box office. Uh, so I didn't expect anything. It, it showed up on uh, on Disney Plus the other day. I was like, oh, what the heck? I'm just going to watch it. I, I kind of like the X-Men franchise. It's not my favorite superhero franchise, but it's it's very it's enjoyable. It's popcorn movies, and I didn't I didn't expect anything of this movie. And so I was pleasantly surprised that it actually was quite enjoyable. I mean, it's not a fantastic movie and there's some weird moments in there, but, you know, totally watchable. Nothing wrong with it because I had no expectations whatsoever. There's this one thing, some of the criticism I understand, like the, the script takes a lot of shortcuts, especially emotional shortcuts. So it misses a lot of opportunities to, you know, to go in depth. It's just the dialogue is sometimes really, really flawed. Um, especially because we've been already 
going quite the journey with these characters. And so you you kind of expect the last episode in a series to be the culmination of all that character development. And instead, you get these one-dimensional characters and, and behavior that is even uh, out of character in a certain way. So you've got, of course, Xavier, the Professor Xavier, the owner or the, the founder of the school for, for extraordinary people, uh, and, and, and also the one who brings the X-Men together. Um, and in previous movies, you know, he's got some depth. And, and he is just one of those older characters that f functions like a tutor to these uncertain kind of uh, uh, insecure teenagers and young young people that have just discovered their uh, their mutant abilities but are rejected by their former friends by their family sometimes definitely by society and so you know he's just this wise guy who knows how to calm them down and to you know help them discover what they can do with their talents well there's this one scene at the beginning of the movie uh, where the character Phoenix, uh, so one of the young women with, with uh, mutant powers, we see her as a child. And uh, this is a mild spoiler, uh, but it's at the beginning of the series, it's also in the trailer. Um, her parents die in an accident. And then she wakes up at the hospital and the first thing she sees is Professor Xavier who's sitting there in his wheelchair and he's still his younger self. And she asks, where are my parents? Where are my parents? And then he says nothing. And then she says, oh, they're dead, right? And then, and then immediately in the same scene, without a hitch, he's like, well, yes, uh, you guessed right. But you know what? I have a school, and you have powers, and yes, you're not weird. Come over to my school. We'll have some fun. I'll help you discover your superpowers. I'm like, dude, like one minute ago, this girl discovered that her parents are dead, and you're like, hey, I've got this fun school. Come join us. Oh, that's cringeworthy. I mean, for the story, okay. It, 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 it keeps the... We know all that. You, you don't want to dwell on stuff that is actually not really serving the story but you can make it a little bit more believable they could have put some time between you know him promoting his school and 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 the death of her parents that she had to deal with crazy all right i'm a little bit distracted while i'm talking to you because my webcam i'm using the built-in webcam of my uh, imac uh, because ah and it's go going all over the place because the lighting conditions are changing in my room right now and so all of a sudden i've got a transparent uh i've got transparent clothing and i'm trying to fix it ah and now i'm completely look i i'm a mutant i i can turn invisible goodness gracious this this webcam on the on the iMac is a disgrace. It's a total disgrace. I really need a new laptop. Um, how do I fix this? Because it's super distracting to see yourself like half invisible. And I'm oh now I'm completely gone. Thank you, Apple. Ah uh, yeah yeah caramba. Okay now I need to kind of try to fix this while I'm talking to you, which is not the best thing. Oh man. You know what? I'm just going to turn off the green screen. There we go. 
I'm now in a green Hulk void, but at least I'm not invisible anymore. <sighs> Technology. It never works when you need it. Goodness gracious. All right, let's, let's move on. That was my film segment. I'm all distracted. Let's go to the peculiar bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics or not, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? I want to talk about something I learned while we were renovating, rearranging the Church of St. Joseph's the other day here, the church uh, that I live next to. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. As I told you in the previous episode, I, um, uh, I've been working with the local people here uh, in the parish to rearrange the, the church for our Sunday celebrations. We're streaming all our masses live, but the church itself was not really uh, suitable for that, at least not suitable enough. It didn't look very well. It was painted white in the 60s. Uh, and so when if I zoomed in on the altar, for instance, you'd just see a white void behind the priest, which, you know, the church itself is beautiful, but they never thought of keeping... Well, they, they threw away the uh, the high altar that was there and and just painted the whole thing white. Then, then someone just recently put some colored lights on the wall that kind of kind of worked but also kind of didn't work and uh, also another problem was that there the, the the altar space the space around the altar and the the ambo was very small and uh, and so I've been kind of rearranging things and changing chairs and the, the last remaining remnant of the 60s is this the tabernacle which is the the, the the safe it's literally built like a safe it's super heavy that contains the consecrated hosts so the the body of christ we keep that in our churches um and it used to be in the center of the behind the altar on the on the high altar the high altar was the altar that was used b- before the liturgical changes in the 70s um and so the the tabernacle always had a central place but then Afterwards, they said, well, you know what? Actually, the, the the tabernacle shouldn't be the center of attention during Mass. It should be the altar, the table. And that's true. Liturgically, that's absolutely true. That's why I kiss the altar at the beginning of Mass and at the end of Mass. We bow in front of it because the, the table itself represents Jesus. It's the symbol of Jesus. But it kind of was in competition with the tabernacle containing the body of Christ, the real presence of Christ. And so as a kind of makeshift solution they put the tabernacle to the side but it's still behind the altar and someone built a huge pillar painted it white just stone no decoration whatsoever i think there was a wooden cross on it it looked super sober and then they just placed the tabernacle on top of that white pillar well never really like that it it looks kind of ugly um and it's just this big white stone thing which really doesn't serve a purpose it doesn't feel natural at all the church was certainly not designed around something that is asymmetrical like that the the entire choir and the church is symmetrical so it makes sense for the tabernacle to be in the center and then 
Above the tabernacle is a huge stained glass window, which shows um, the... Uh, uh, the presentation of, of the Lord in the temple when Jesus was still a baby, that his parents brought them to to the temple, and then th there's this old guy Simeon who takes Jesus in his hands and says this prayer of thanksgiving because now he has seen the Messiah, and then above that that depiction you see the Father depicted as an old man with a beard and the Holy Spirit in the in the form of a dove. Um, so you've got the Trinity right there. So it makes sense for the tabernacle to be underneath that window, right? In the center. Because it's all vertically a store. It's, a, it's Christ who should be in a central location. So that's the only thing that we still have to uh, demolish. Because I'm like, ah, I'm so gung-ho on, on making this, kind of restoring the former beauty of this church. It's ridiculous what they did in the 60s. And now is the now I have the momentum and also a reason to fix it because then I will I'll be able to build something in the background of the of the altar so that when I film the priest I don't have this wide void which is the last thing you want to see. I might as well stream mass from my bathroom. Anyway, then the other thing is we had a statue of the Virgin Mary and a statue of St. Joseph. Both are from another church because this same priest who painted the entire church white also destroyed all the statues. He literally dumped them. But this is just criminal behavior. He's dead now, but uh, he dumped the statues or what remained of them in the uh, cement underneath the, uh, the, 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 the floor underneath the altar. So they, they, they wanted to, to expand that into the church, and so they needed to fill it up. So he just dumped the statues in there. So they're, you know, you can't salvage those. So we had statues coming from another church that was closed. One statue of the Virgin Mary, one statue of St. Joseph. And we were thinking of, uh, so we placed them temporarily in, in, front, in the front of the church. But since we're expanding, you know, the entire liturgical space, it gets kind of cramped with all those statues. So I... I had this idea, well, why don't we move them to the back of the church where you enter the church? Then the first thing you'll see are Mary and St. Joseph. And then I looked up some old, uh, some, some, some documents about how changes were built around the time that this church were built. And it turns out that that was actually uh, a very common thing that you saw in, in many churches around that time was that there was always a statue of the Virgin Mary and a statue of St. Joseph. And they were at two sides of the church. One would be linked to the... Because men and women used to sit in different pews. The men would sit on one side and the women on the other side. I remember this from the time that I was a, an altar boy in my parish uh, where I grew up. Most people still follow that. So the men would sit on one side. They actually enjoyed that. <laughs> they could sit with, you know, they could chat during during the homily. And the women were, would be sitting at the other side of the church, kind of glad that they didn't have their husband next to them. All that, of course, has changed. But then the idea was that you have the statue of St. Joseph as an example for all the fathers, for all the men, and you have the statue of the Virgin Mary as the example the icon, the kind of the mirror of for, for, for all the women in church. And so by placing these two statues back in the, in the back of the church on both sides actually uh, connects to a very old tradition. Um, and I, I like it that, and, and that's kind of the big challenge right now, is that every change we make, 
uh, I want to make those changes, but I I want to be able to explain why we make those changes. What the, there there you got to do storytelling in the way that you arrange your church or decorate your church. It it should all make sense because that is what gives the visitor a certain sense of harmony. Harmony comes from something that is fitting, something that makes sense. And even if you don't know exactly the story behind it, internally you feel that, well, this, this makes sense, I don't know why. And then, of course, you can always explain, well, hey, this is what you're seeing, and this is why the church is what it is. And I think in the 60s, they were so happy to, to just make changes because they wanted to stop doing what they had been doing and didn't work anymore, according to them. That I think they threw away their child with a bathwater. They 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 made changes just to make changes. Let's paint over all these beautiful paintings because you know the liturgy has to be sober and you don't want to be distracted from the word of God. And so let's get rid of all these paintings. And now we're like, oh, dude, liturgy is about beauty. Liturgy liturgy is storytelling. So why do you get rid of the visual storytelling? That has been in our churches since the beginning. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So now I'm kind of kind of course correcting something that was done without good reasons. And I'm trying to find new narratives for the changes that we make. And I hope that this is something that we can do in other churches as well. Um that there's nothing worse like 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 last week I was in a church beautiful but they had stuffed that church it was like a neo gothic church with lots and lots of uh, woodwork and paintings and there was like what we what we lack here in this church they had way too much in their church and so I started to to give them advice you know if you're streaming this mass look at what the camera is looking at what do you see there's too much in this image D- don't overdo it make sure that everything you see has a reason to be there and if you can't come up with a reason why that object is in your view get rid of it put it elsewhere so they had this the church was dedicated to uh, the holy pope saint john the 23rd canonized not so long ago and someone gifted the church a a um what is it? The the uh, statue of the, well, the head of 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 John, the twenty third. So it's this this bronze head, basically a how'd you call that? I don't know. Do, doesn't matter. Uh, it was on a white pillar, and because it was a gift, they wanted to give it a place of honor. So they placed that close to the ambo, the place where you do the readings. But on camera, you see that thing, and you're you're like, what is that dark skull there? It looks like like a beheaded zombie or <laughs> it does not tell a story whatsoever like why is it there yeah he's the patron saint of the church uh but you can't tell so i was like oh, get rid of it yeah well we can't because the uh, the one who gifted it to us is still alive and that person would be upset i was like okay well tell another story Put it in the back of your church. There's always a corner and say you want to give it a place of honor. You place it near the entrance so that people when pe- people enter the church of John the 23rd, the first thing they see is the head of John the 23rd smiling at them, even though it looks like a beheaded zombie. <laughs> but but tell that story and it will be okay. You you will in your story, you can make it look as if it is an upgrade. But instead, it's just getting rid of clutter. 
And and so it is finding the balance between decluttering and simplifying and storytelling. That is what we need to do. And that's true for all of us. Um, in our houses, the whole minimalist movement is not about throwing away everything and living in a in a house without furniture or, or and with just white walls. No, it is making sure that the things you own and the things you have are things that mean something to you, that make you happy, that give you that spark joy, whatever you want to call it. But but don't keep clutter just for the sake of clutter because you want to hold on to it because you're afraid to throw it away. If it doesn't help you, if it doesn't make you happy, if instead it makes you unhappy because you're like, oh, it's clutter, my house is too full, and get rid of it, give it away, give it a new purpose. And that's true for our own homes, but it's also true, I think, and important to do for the house of God. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Oh, I'm so happy. Finally, the audiobooks of the Witcher series are available on my Dutch subscription. I have a subscription to Storytel. It's not available everywhere. It's kind of the uh, European equivalent of, uh, of Audible, but the model is much better. With Audible, you pay quite a hefty sum, actually, every, every month, and then you get tokens. And a book can be one or two or sometimes three tokens, but you only get, I, I think, two per month. So you can buy, you know, two short audiobooks or one big one. And then, yes, you get access to those audiobooks forever. Um, the model of Storytel, I, I like it more. You pay a much smaller amount per month, so it's 10 bucks. Still hefty, or I think it's 11 now, but it's, it's feasible. I'm, I kind of, kind of think that I, I make it worth my while. I think it's worth it. Um, and then you get unlimited access to all audiobooks. And the moment your subscription ends, you lose access. But I don't mind because once I've read a book, I don't want to reread it again, especially not an audio book because it takes forever. So they were, and, and sometimes they will post new series, but they will tell you, hey, we're still in the process of producing this, but it's coming soon. And so I had already liked and favored it. Is that a word? Uh, the Witcher series, which finally now is, is available in Dutch. Uh, the original written by uh, Andrew Sapkowski, probably butchering that name, uh, uh, was is written in Polish and then it has been translated in many languages. Um, but now it's available in in Dutch, and because it it's so popular on uh, on Netflix, they uh, they they created an audiobook version, which is not the case for most books in the Netherlands because the audiobook even the ebook market is already super small in the Netherlands audiobook market is even smaller plus it's pirated a lot so um but thanks to a service like storytell i think there's a new impetus for these companies or for these publishers to to uh, make audiobook versions of their books because they get revenue from it um and so i i started listening to the last wish book one of the witcher series and it is a totally different uh, experience from my previous attempts to uh, to read these books. I, I had, I think, the first book in English on Kindle. Started reading it, and I couldn't make heads or tails. Is that a word? Anyway, I could, really couldn't make sense of it because it was all over the place, story-wise. And I'd only played one of the video games, 
So I kind of knew a little bit what The Witcher looked like, but a lot of the stuff is like, uh, I don't know these characters. And uh, it's also skipping through time quite quickly, just like, uh, I, I think the whole story is told out of sequence, just like the first season of The Witcher. So it was utterly confusing. Now that I've seen the series, and I'm, I'm listening to this audiobook, I'm like, I'm watching like an extended version of the story. It is so cool because you know a lot of the characters that are mentioned. You kind of already have like the basics of the story. And so when I'm listening to the story now, I'm thinking, oh, this must have taken place in this time frame. And this is probably right before he did this and that in the, in the television series. So it's much a much easier read, a very enjoyable um, and I have to say, I have to be honest, even though I listen to a lot of English material and I do speak a lot of English day to day, it's still l much more relaxing for me to listen to a book in Dutch than it is when I listen to it or read it in English. It, it's in English. I love that language, it's, but it's not my mother tongue. It's not my native language. And so it does take extra energy. To, to read in English. Um, and I, I just notice when I'm listening to the Dutch audiobook, I'm much more relaxed and I can read for longer. With English, I always have to take a break after an hour or so. Um, not with Dutch. I can listen, you know, five hours in a row if, if, if necessary. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I like it. I don't know about the English, uh, the audible version of The Witcher, but I would say if you've seen the movie, the series on, on Netflix, Definitely give the books a try. Um, it's similar, but it's well told. It's 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 uh, also I, I expected it to be more like uh, Game of Thrones, but the Game of Thrones book are oh, I, I started I tried to read it, but too way too many names, so confusing. So um, uh, the Witcher is actually quite constrained when it comes to the amount of people that are introduced, and uh, especially with the TV series in the background. It is very easy to follow. And with that, let's talk a little bit about uh, technology. Or actually, I think this is wrong. This is science fiction. The science fiction jingle. I'll talk about technology anyway. <laughs> uh, I just pressed a button. So let's go with it. I want to talk about uh, Canon cameras. You know that I have a Canon M50, and there's something new for those cameras. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We I need you! Why didn't I talk about the UFO news here in this segment? This could have been a full-fledged segment here on the show. Instead, I put it all in the introduction. Uh, well, I'm kind of new at this podcasting thing, so my apologies. Hey, uh, Canon cameras are awesome. I've been working with uh, Canon for uh, quite a few years now. I use it for all my television work. The other big camera brand that is used a lot for TV production is Sony. Sony is very good, too. They're pretty good with their cameras uh slightly more fiddly i don't really like their menu system so the biggest camera that i have um, is much much harder to navigate around you know so many buttons and it's not very intuitive with canon it's always you've got the menu and it makes sense 
With Sony, you always have to read the manual to get the most out of that thing, which is, irritates me <laughs> beyond anything else because I'm a, I'm a geek, I'm a nerd, I don't want to read manuals. Um, but I have to with Sony. But anyway, one of the cool things about Canon, one of the things I love, is that you can use, in, in conjunction with a Mac, you can use a Canon as a webcam. Now, that may seem like a waste of money. Why would you use a 500-plus euro camera as a webcam? But if you're producing so many shows uh, for YouTube that I do, it's actually quite good. It's quite nice to have a good quality camera uh, as, a, as your primary webcam because it's, it's TV quality. And so it, it really helps elevate. So the problems that I currently have while I'm talking to you with this green screen and with this built-in super awful webcam, of course, it's, it's like seven years old on this Mac, but still, um, with, if I would use a Canon camera, none of these problems would be, would be happening because the Canon camera, it's all hardware-based. I can set the aperture, I can fix it. It would be the perfect camera for green screen work. But those cameras are currently in the church. For I need them for to stream mass. Why? Because I want another camera. I want the, the parish to purchase a camera. But it's expensive and has to go through all these committees. Uh, sometimes I feel like a member of the Galactic Senate trying to get all these aliens in line and it takes years oh if only there was another way to rule this mess someone who could say i am the senate <laughs> all right evil after aside um the the one reason that i kept working with max for these uh live streams was that the mac could talk to my canon um, there are many ways to get the signal from a DSLR or in this case a mirrorless camera into your computer. But usually it involves um, a, a transcoder device, something you hook up to your computer that takes the HDMI signal. HDMI is what you use to, for instance, hook up your Blu-ray player or your gaming console to your, to your um, TV. Takes that analog signal. Well, actually, it's a digital signal, and it it, it it translates it to something that your computer can interpret as a webcam. The thing is, uh, the HDMI out of the Canon cameras is usually not a clean signal. It also contains all the the menu stuff that you see on the back of your uh, of your camera. So focus boxes and uh, aperture indications. That's, that you don't want to stream with that information in in your uh, image um, but the mac was able to uh, with some help of ecamm the software that i used to stream to get through usb a clean signal an hd clean signal straight from the camera into the mac that was seen by the software as web as a webcam fantastic Really, really cool. That's that's would be one huge argument to go for Canon instead of Sony because Sony can't do that. The downside was it was only available for Mac. There was one utility because this is a software thing. It's something that <laughs> you can teach a computer how to do that. It wasn't available. EMAC is not available on PC. So I've been stuck with e e eCam and a Mac for all my streaming work for, for a couple of years now. Um 
But just the other day, there was one utility made by, I don't know, just individual software programmer, whatever, who kind of duplicated that on, on, on the PC, but it looks very clunky. It was super expensive, like 60 bucks or 70 bucks per year just for the license for actually something that must be super simple. Once you understand how to get that USB signal, hmm, it's not too complicated to program. But anyway, he was a monopolist. No one else had gave you the ability to use your Canon camera as a webcam until recently. Because now Canon, and I, I can't believe they didn't come up with that earlier. They said, well, we can make a utility like that and that will give re people an extra reason to buy a Canon camera instead of a Sony. So they, they gave us this free utility. It's still in beta, but uh, I think it's here to stay. And with that utility, you can use a whole range of Canon cameras as a webcam on a PC. So bye-bye, iMac. I now finally have the last reason I needed to trade in my small laptop based on macOS for a real laptop, one with ports on it. Like, I don't know, more than two USB ports? And in case you have a more recent Mac, sometimes it's just one USB-C port. So a lot of Mac owners nowadays have to walk around with like 50 dongles or these huge, sometimes they're devices that are half the size of the laptop that they have to plug in just to get ports. Whereas a lot of PC-based laptops have a whole bunch of ports on that thing. USB ports, USB-C. You sometimes even have HDMI out. You will have audio ports. Let's not forget about those. The, uh, Apple um, crippled my audio in on this Mac. And I've read, now I've read up on it. And actually, they just did it with an update. And all of a sudden, these older Macs that still had audio in, the line-in doesn't work anymore. And Apple is like, oh, well, we thought that no one was using that. And we're not bringing it back. Just buy a new Mac. And a USB audio interface. Just another dongle. You already have five. So, ugh. I'm looking forward to getting a new laptop. Windows-based. With a big screen. <laughs> and with many ports. And an SD card reader. And all that stuff that I've been missing for years. It's close now. Because thank you, Canon, for that utility. Finally. And that's it for this episode of my weekly show thank you for listening and uh, if you're a patron I'm not done yet there's another show coming up Father Roderick to the max and in that episode I'm going to talk about Gary Witta he's the writer the screenwriter for Rogue One Star Wars Rogue One he just launched a late night show within Animal Crossing the best selling uh, Nintendo game right now it's awesome and I'm going to talk about it. And Father Roderick to the Max will also talk about the rise of Skywalker coming to Disney Plus on the 4th of May. And Fake Meat, comic book series about the X-Men with overweight X-Men. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Talk a little bit about video games. And I will give you my tricks on how to deal with online meeting fatigue. All that and more coming in Father Roderick to the Max if you want to listen to that show every week for free then consider becoming a patron. You can already become a patron for as little as two and a half bucks per month. If you divide that by the number of podcasts that I make, that's just almost nothing per podcast. So 
Check it out, patreon.com slash Father Roderick. I'll be back next week. Take care, stay healthy, and God bless.